Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Love your money, and your money will love you. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Good, dude. Especially because I finally cracked. Finally. It's been in my fridge for forever. Yeah. Uh, a nice Allagash Black Bomber. It's a, a Belgian-style mm. stout, and I've just been like a huge fan of stouts lately, so I'm kind of excited about it. Nice. I'm drinking a Kid and Ichiban Japanese beer. Mm, you've been really real getting into good. The, the Japanese beers. How, how come? This is only the second one, actually. I mean, I had that Hitachino Nest one, which was just sort of like an on-the-whim purchase. Uh, this one, we went to a sushi restaurant in Des Moines called, I think it was like Akebono 515 or something like that. And Anna had a beer, and she was like, I'll just go with the Kirin. And she really liked it. So she bought a pack, and then I was like, you know, this is pretty good. I actually think I like it more than the French beer that I had. So I bought my own, and yeah, it's pretty good. It's really, really crisp. You know, I don't know if you, it would be your style because I think you like more of the IPAs and stouts and like super flavorful beers. Mm. And at this point in my life, the the crisp lagers are kind of my style. Dude, when I was your age, I would swear slash get into fights over Yingling. I was like, that is the only beer. Maybe if they don't have Yingling, <laughs> I'll drink Killian's, but not really. Like, I don't think I've ever had that beer. Yingling? Yingling? It's, uh, you know, probably because you're all the way over there. It's, um, it's a Pennsylvanian beer. So it's definitely like big on the uh, East Coast. It's like uh, you you obviously have Sam Adams over there, right? Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, I'm not going to say it's like Sam Adams, but it's it's in that realm, but it's like a localer, like a more local version of Sam Adams, I guess. Okay. I just remembered something. There's this beer that you can only get in Vermont. Mm-hmm. It only comes in cans. It's called uh it's called Hetty Topper. And it's apparently, like, the best beer in the world, apparently. Really? According to, like, Beer Advocate and, like, all the reviews and everything. Is but, it, like, like you, difficult to get or find? It's really hard to get. You can, I think you can only get it in Vermont. And, like, when it shows up, there's, like, people who study, like, the logistic routes and, like, go in and buy it all. And I think there's, like, restrictions on how much you can buy per person and stuff like that. Holy shit. I, I want that I really want to try it. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are, like... Oh, it's pretty good, but there's better in the area that are just not as famous. So I'm, I kind of feel like I want to go to Vermont to just get this apparently legendary beer they brew there, whether it's Hetty Topper or not. That would but, be an awesome road trip. Yeah, like, it's an American Double Imperial IPA, 8% ABV. Ooh. So and I'm not even sure if I would... Maybe maybe it would be the IPA that finally gets me into IPAs. I don't know. Ah, that that, <laughs> that reminds me, dude, because you just said ABV. Um, you're coming to New York uh, in yeah. a few days. Are are you a lightweight? And because you're also six two, so I imagine you could drink men to I the table. I'm not a lightweight. You're not a lightweight. No. All right. But I don't like to get smashed either. Oh no, no, I, I don't either. It's funny. I've kind of gotten to this point where I'm like, not really a fan of getting drunk. I don't, maybe it's just a fact of getting older. I don't know. I just kind of like to have a few drinks at night, chill out, and then go to bed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. AKA, I'm becoming boring. <laughs> Dude, you need something to decompress with after work and dealing with all the shit you had to deal with. Like, just <laughs> sit down, truck through some of the house of cards that is, like, owning my life right now. Oh, uh, dude, I got to the first episode. Oh, uh, it's fucking... I'm so excited to watch it all. 
dude. I don't know when I will, though, because... Wait, so you haven't started yet, or are you just talking about the first episode in the new season? No, new season. Oh, yeah. right, right. I've uh, watched the first episode of season three now. So, I don't, I don't know if it's just me, or just me and Laura, but uh, every time we start a season, we have to go back and we watch halfway through the first episode, and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's watch the last episode of last season. So we oh, remember really? That? Yeah. Like, we well, totally... I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to do it because Netflix has this cool, like, recap, like, three-minute recap that they just play before uh, the episode starts. Shit. Why did I not get... I, I played it on Apple TV. I didn't see that. Oh, maybe it only works on the Netflix website then. Huh. But, yeah, it was, like, a little frame. It was, like, a three-minute, like, recap of season two. And then it was, like, start season three. Dun, dun, dun. And I did. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I want to binge it. I just don't know when I'm going to get to. Mm. And uh, Anna and I just finished watching the last season of Avatar Legend of Korra. And now she's, like, going back through the original. So, all sorts of TV. (laughs) But, yes. Beer, TV. (laughs) These are the things our podcast is about now. (laughs) But, yeah, hey, today's catchphrase was, love your money and your money will love you. It comes to us from Naomi in uh, Quebec. So, thank you for the catchphrase. And if you want to send your own in to have them uh, read on the show, then we are on Twitter at Money Matters Man. We'd love to hear them over there. And we definitely need catchphrases, so send them on to us. Uh, Facebook.com slash Listen Money Matters is also a place where you can send the catchphrases. Or if you send us an email question, leave a catchphrase too. That'd be cool. So, Andrew, Mm. um, I am not to the point yet where I'm going to buy a house. But within the next two months, we are looking to uh, move into a house. Like to rent one as a group. And what I want to know, just sort of like for information, my own information, maybe some of this will apply to the rental. But definitely, you know, as time goes on, I start potentially looking at buying um, the hidden costs of buying a house. So I know that I need my 20% down payment at least. Mm. And then you, you get your mortgage. And I know there's property taxes. What else is there? Well, so I'm curious, just to step back, do you know what, like, why did you say at least 20%? Well, I mean, I've always heard that you can't really get a mortgage without 20% down payment, but so I, I say at least because I would prefer not to have a loan of 80% of the value of a house. That's a lot of money. Well, well, so if you did 20%, you would have a loan for 80%. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, well, is oh, it you like mean more generally than that. accepted that you need at least 20% to even get a mortgage? So I, I, generally you, you need 10% to, to get a mortgage, oh. but, uh, 20% I think is like the financially smart thing to do because they don't have to pay uh, PMI or more, basically your mortgage insurance. So it's like, that's an, yeah, that's it's like a, additional cost that just goes to nothing just because you couldn't wait. Right, yeah, because I was, I was looking at um, houses on Zillow, I think it was, and we're looking for rent, but I was just like playing around and I just clicked on one that was for sale and I was like, oh, how much would it cost for us to buy a house as a group? Uh-huh. And then I put in um, the numbers, and then I changed the, the, the 20% down, uh, down payment to like less than that, and it popped up with this message about insurance or something like that. So, yeah, and I think I'm looking at it right here. So if you go lower than 20, I think it says something. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it wasn't on Zillow. I don't know. <laughs> but, so yeah, you need some sort of insurance if you go lower than 10 or 20, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I pretty much say, like, don't overpay, 
your mortgage, but if you had under 20%, you got to like sprint to that because mm. shit, PMI sucks. Yeah, I bet. And honestly, like my ex-girlfriend, her parents bought their house with 60% down. And like what? That's awesome. That'd be what I'd want to do, you know, just save until I can get to that point and then not have to worry. Hmm. That's awesome. That's like definitely advanced. I mean, they they bought it like when they were older, right? I think so. They were also very frugal, so mm. like they're they're incredible savers. Um. So yeah, I don't know if we'll get to sixty percent. It'd be nice, but I don't want to pay less than twenty. That's for sure. The the cool thing is though, uh, if you remember from the margin episode, leveraging up could actually be very beneficial to your, your mm. net worth. That's true. Okay, so. So you have your down payment, right? Mm. You get your mortgage. Um, I would assume that your credit score would help define what the uh, interest rate for that mortgage is probably, right? Right. Okay. So um, on top of that, so one thing that, uh, I mean, you obviously determine uh, your your interest rate by your credit score and, and obviously what, what the rates are generally are at the time, but you could, uh, well, first of all, there's, there's always going to be like a loan origination fee. Um, what's that? So you just have to pay to like it's same thing. Like if you go to like lending club and you're like, I want to take out a loan for eight thousand dollars, you don't get eight thousand dollars because they take like a little bit to do the work. Oh, lending club does. Right, right. So there, there is a there's a concept of a loan origination fee. Okay. Um, with a home, and then lots of times like you you're there, and uh, there's this concept called points. And what they could do is is they could reduce your interest by a few points if you pay X upfront. So you could say have a three percent you know interest loan, and they could drop it. You know a, a, a point is like point zero one percent. So they could drop it like a few points. So if they drop to five points, it'd be like you know from three percent, it'd be like point. Two nine five or two point nine five percent. Okay, but you pay money up front for that, and uh, hmm. that, that generally is. I don't think it's a good idea. But. So you're paying money up front to drop your interest rate. Interest rate over time, yeah. Interesting. Okay, but you don't recommend it. No, I don't really recommend. I think you should hold on to your money, and I think that's yeah. But aren't you going to pay more over the life of the loan if you do that? You you could deduct most of that on your taxes. So, for, uh, so, so I have no idea how that works. <laughs> I mean, look, like you still pay some interest on okay. your. It's not like you deduct the entirety back and then, you know, you just get that all from the from the tax man. But uh, for people who who earn a, a fair amount of money, those deductions are are awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, like generally speaking, based on like if you only have say twenty percent in your home, and it you know grows, say the home itself grows, uh, what. Tw- Damn it, I have to deal with percents. So, <laughs> so okay, so if you own 100% of your home and the home value went up 10%, you gain 10% on your investment, right? Okay. But if you own 50% of your home and the home value went up 20%, you gain 20% on your investment. Yeah. Right? Interesting. Okay. So, um, yeah, it makes sense, I guess. Sorry, I'm going down like a side path. Well, I, I don't even remember. Well, that actually, that actually brings me to something. Um, when I was in high school, I used to like, read books and stuff and like read articles about personal finance because I want to kind of get a little bit of knowledge. And there was like this big debate over whether or not you should consider your home an investment or like just a place to live. Mm-hmm. 
And maybe we could like tackle that someday as an episode. Like, should you consider your home as an investment or should it just be like, this is where I live. I don't really care if it makes me money later or not. You know, you know, and like how far into the investing territory can you go with your home? That, you know, that's awesome. That's an awesome idea. And I'm kind of on the line, to be honest. So I would love to do something like that because Allison just wrote that awesome series on how she handles rental properties and makes money. And, you know, maybe that'd be a good guest one. Someone like a contrasting point of view. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That would be, that would be an interesting thing. We should get like a head versus head to head thing versus episode going or something. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. cool. Okay. So, so other than that, mm. you, you can opt to do this loan. Would you say loan initiation fee? Is that what it's called? It, it's like points or like an, a loan origination fee. Okay. So beyond that, Oh, dude, um, I guess tons. here's a question. Mm. Do you like typically need to like find somebody to hunt for a good house for you or do you like do it yourself? Is there like a benefit to hiring someone to like find you a better house? I guess that's a question. So, um, you, you get a real estate agent and I had one, um, not to be against any of the real estate agents that are listening. I found it to not be that helpful. Okay. And I actually felt that they were maybe like a little pushy and possibly didn't have my best interest at mind. Okay. Um, because they, they get paid based on like the sale price and, you know, obviously I want the lowest sale price that's kind of conflicting with what they want and they're, they, they just want to close the deal. Whereas I want to yeah. make sure that my deal is not like going to be screwed up. So they get a commission, right? Yeah. And they actually, they actually called me an idiot. Uh, my, my real estate agent people because I, I was, huh? I'm sorry. You had a real estate agent who just called you an idiot? Yeah, dude. They called me an idiot. So like, I, I was trying to get my place and um, you know, it was like kind of old and like the hot water heater was old. So I wanted to get like deductions on the price and I was trying to pick everything possible. You know, you pick everything possible. You say, I want 10000 down. You agree on like 8000 you know, which is better than what it could have originally been 5000 or something. So yeah. like, I was like, the windows are old and this and that. And you know, she was calling me like an idiot for going down this path. But that's because I was wasting, like I was wasting time where I could have closed the deal, and then she would have got her check sooner. Qui bono, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think about that a lot. But yeah, it makes sense because, like, I guess I feel like a good real estate agent would not make it that blatant that they're just after the commission. Yeah, you know? I could have just had like a shitty one. I, I, I could have. I did have a shitty one. Very I'm not much, saying yeah. I'm not saying they're all shitty. Okay, so you can either decide to do that or not. I feel like if you know how to search, you know, well and can do some networking, you should be able to find a place without too much like paid help. Right? Yeah, and like you said, Zillow, like that's gold. Yeah, so here's a question. If you if you go like the self-search route, mm. is there any like benefit that a real estate agent provides you that you'd be missing out on? Like maybe like negotiation tactics with a seller or extra things that you may not have known like is yeah. there a risk in going alone you know n now it even 
now you even make me like hate the fact that I had one more because so I, I was negotiating and I mean everyone negotiates on price. Everyone wants to come down and what happens is you talk to your real estate agent, that real estate agent mm-hmm. talks to their real estate agent, and then that their agent talks to them. So there's four people on the mm-hmm. chain. And I I'll felt, let my people talk to your people. Yeah, basically. But <laughs> I felt like when I was doing it that my message wasn't getting conveyed. No, I mean, I guess the whole thing is um, I just felt like I could negotiate better. I felt like they weren't passing the word along and I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So basically, in your opinion, real estate agent was not really needed. You could have done it better on your own. I feel, I feel like I could. Okay. And every real estate agent who listens to us has now turned the episode off. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, I hate this guy. I mean, Either that or maybe there's things that they can do to become more competitive real estate agents and stand ahead of the competition who leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I think that's the yeah. thing is, you know what? I'm sure there are real estate agents that are awesome negotiators and they're, yeah. they're like millionaires that do really well because they're so good. I just mm. unfortunately had a shitty one. Okay, interesting. Okay, so... That's a potential cost. You might have a real estate agent. You might not. All right. So what else do you got to face? Um, you're going to have you know, your mortgage costs. Are there any... So there's that loan initiation fee with the mortgage, and there's the actual mortgage. Is mm. there anything else around the mortgage before we get into other things? Yeah. So um, there are... There's title insurance. So when you buy the home, you get like the title. You know, it's like when you pass your car to someone else. There's like a title to the car. Is that like insurance on the piece of paper? Yes, that's insurance on the piece of paper. And like at first you're like, man, these assholes. But the, the thing is, is so like say there's like an oil drum buried in your basement, right? You know, and, and okay. actually, actually that's, that's not for title insurance. Title insurance is say that they, there's debts, like someone else has a lien. And this happened with my property is the mortgage company has a lien on your property because they lent you money for the home. But then you could okay. have say, um... I don't know, d- done a, a hit and run and owe some money somewhere else and then they put a lien on your home or you don't pay property taxes and they put a lien on your home or some weird thing. And so what happens is these are, are kind of difficult to find and not always straightforward. It actually took us a month to iron out all of the various liens on my guy's property and the title insurance uh, is like if your title company and your lawyer aren't able to find all the things, it protects you from like having someone else own the majority of your home or a portion of it because it think, so think it's basically you can't be sure that the seller really truly owns the property outright. So this is a way to cover your ass in case they don't. Think of the liens as like barnacles on a boat, Okay. right? So you you have a boat and has a bunch of barnacles on the bottom. You sell it to me. Like they're still there. Like like they move with the property. Yeah. So yeah. So like this insurance helps protect you from – it's like not that expensive. I mean and once you see all the fees of everything else, it's just like a drop in the bucket. It's a pain in the ass, but I I think it's very important. So common title problems here I'm seeing. Fraud and forgery, conflicting wills, missing heirs. So like little Johnny comes back from a seven year excursion to India where they thought he was dead and oh now he has a claim against the house that you bought from his dad. Mm. The title insurance basically says, nah, you get to keep it, that kind of thing. 
or like you it pays out so that the house goes to him, but you get your cash back or something to that okay. effect. Where yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so, and as opposed to getting screwed, like you paying some dude for a house that's not his, and then he has the money, and you don't have the house. So title insurance isn't like how home insurance where it's going to protect you from floods and stuff. It's more like don't get screwed from lack of due diligence insurance. B- basically, yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, so we have that. Um, I'm guessing you need to buy home insurance too, right? A- absolutely. Uh, hope- you, um, you buy that like right away? Yeah, you have to. And it has to at least ensure the sale value of the home. And okay. Hoboken's in a flood zone, so I also have to get flood insurance. And it's, oh, yeah. It's like required from your mortgage company. Like they will not give you a mortgage without insurance. So how much does that cost for, like, in relation to your place? I think for me – so I, I bought my place for – Three hundred like eleven thousand, and I think mine's about three hundred a year. It's like maybe maybe closer oh, to four hundred a year. It's it's not that's, that bad. That's home insurance. Yeah, and that that wow. That's like um, it's basic. That that's flood is uh, covered by my building, but that's okay. like um, some shit happens to my apartment or like some basic amount of stuff gets stolen. Yeah, stuff like that, dude. <laughs> so since you said you're like your place was like three hundred and eleven thousand mm-hmm. dollars since i live in iowa i am now picturing a mansion <laughs> no unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> like when i look at the three hundred thousand plus like listings here in iowa it's like super nice houses Dude, I oh, this is beautiful. I'm just like looking at one. It's like three hundred and seventy-eight thousand. But I know, like in Hoboken, it's probably like an apartment. I was gonna say <laughs> you're gonna come into my apartment. You're gonna be like, "This is terrible. What were you thinking? This is three hundred thousand. What? <laughs> I trusted you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there is there is one here that's one point five mil. So maybe there is some properties that are like wow. So they must have like a heliport attached or something. You know, honestly. This doesn't look like it should cost $1.5 million. I think this is like a joke posting or something. Mm. It looks like a regular house. What the heck am I looking The counters are not even good. Maybe they have like a secret subterranean it, chamber. Like, you know. Uh, so the bat cave is beneath this. Exactly. And it comes with the bat cave. Dude, there better, better be because this thing does. This thing looks like. It looks like crap, honestly. It looks like you should pay $100,000 at most for this kind of thing. That's weird. Hmm. I wonder if it just got like an extra zero got put in there or something. <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> oh, probably. Yeah. Okay. So we got house insurance costs you like 300 bucks a year. Mm. So it's not actually that much. Right. But I also have a, a like a condo. So it's not okay. like a home where like a roof can whatever and blah, blah, blah. I think it's going to be much more for most people. Yeah. Like that stuff's covered by my building, which leads to the next one which is condo fees because like oh okay it's so like all the owners collectively pay for stuff like this or electricity in the building or heat in the build you know heat in the common areas and you know right someone who does the garbage or whatever interesting okay um so we have condo fees if you're in a condo or if you're getting a house oh there might be like housing association fees yeah if you're in like one of those weird developments communities with crazy soccer moms that don't want you to have signs in your yards <laughs> <laughs> i'm not allowed to build a billboard in my backyard that's 20 feet tall and tells you to reelect hillary clinton that's I don't bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i can't build a water slide it's, it's blasphemy 
<laughs> yeah, so there might be association fees, condo fees. Um, dude, the... Oh, let's see here. Fees, fees, fees. Dude. What other fees are there? Dude, there are so many fees. It's just... The, I hope this, like, depresses people because I think people... <laughs> like, oh, the house costs $300,000 and I'll put 20% down. So that's $60,000. Yay! Like, it's, it's like, dude, no. Yeah. Like, it's going to cost you, like... Ten to fifteen thousand, like at least, just to get into the house. Like, not to mention. So I'm looking at a list here. Mm. Government recording charges to record the deed and the mortgage and everything. Mm. The appraisal fee, credit report fee. Oh, appraisal fee is huge. That was actually I, I misspoke. Appraisal fee is like if there's an oil tank like buried in your backyard, or you have like radon mm. like leaking and shit. I'm not gonna move into there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that would like ruin your sale price and shit. Yeah. So there's the title services and lenders' title insurance, flood life of the loan fee. Mm. So I guess that's that's your thing, flood thing. Yeah. Tax service fee, which says it's pretty minor. Minor just ensures property taxes have been paid before you move in. The origination fee, it says here, on a ninety-seven thousand dollar mortgage. This comes from U.S. News. Uh, interest rate of three point five percent and no points. The fee would be seven hundred ninety-five dollars. That's the origination fee, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's so just like an extra grand, basically, just to get the loan from the bank. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they and like the thing was is so I went to go buy this property and I put like twenty percent down. It came out to be like roughly sixty four thousand dollars, and I have I have all my investments and I have all stuff. I, I like plenty to cover this, and yeah. I pulled that out in cash. And I'm going through the process, and they say that they they're like, and then they they see all my investments. They have my complete financial picture. And they said, I don't have enough cash. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I have completely, I have like all these completely liquid investments that I could sell at any time. They needed me to have an additional amount of cash in my bank account next to like what I would put as a down payment so Hmm. that like I would be able to buy food and like stupid shit like that. Okay. And I, I looked, I like scoured the web for a percentage of what that is. I couldn't find like a common percentage i I think it's up to the bank and maybe it's like black magic but okay that sucks that sounds sort of similar to with the rental situation like i was talking to a guy that owns a property complex and he was like yeah basically you need to make three times what the rent is Mm. so like i guess it's just to ensure that you can pay the rent while also surviving yeah, and it totally screws your calculations because you're trying to save to buy the home and whatever, and you're like, finally, I got $64,000, I could do it. And then you go mm. to buy the home, and they're like, no, actually, you don't have enough money. Like, you can't put 20% down. And then you have PMI and whatever, so yeah, yeah. You, you definitely need a buffer. So there's also uh, closing costs, I think. Or maybe that's Well, so like title... Said title and your uh appraisal okay. that that's all kind of in the closing costs yeah what so there's also moving costs true which could include like cleaning your old place for selling that or, or if you're moving out of a rental mm. like that could be i think moving getting a truck and all that kind of stuff the shit that you break while you're moving <laughs> <laughs> um and then like new stuff you have to buy right like uh, lawnmowers and like snow shovels and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like, what are you upgrading to? Dude, you're moving to, you're going to be uh, at least renting a home. Like, uh, does that mean that the person who owns the home is going to mow the lawn or do you guys have to mow the lawn? Actually, so the one that I'm really hoping we can move into, 
comes with lawn care and snow removal. Oh, nice. But if it ends up that we need to move into a place without that, then we'll just have to get a lawnmower and uh, shovel. And then you just draw straws? I'm I'm cheap. Like, (laughs) when we were kids, uh, my dad had two lawnmowers. He had the, like, super nice one with, like, um, what was it called? Power, like, automatic. You could, like, pull a handle and... Gas-powered? No, it was, like, auto... You hit a button and it started? There's like a lever you pull. Mm. Have you ever mowed a lawn before? Yeah, oh yeah, dude. I've definitely mowed okay. a lawn. Okay, yeah. so you know how you, like there's a lever you have to hold down just to keep the engine running, right? Right. I mean, that like gives the gas, like, yeah. Yeah, then there's like a little handbrake thing that will, it's like automatically makes the mower go forward. Uh, instead so of having to push it. Um, I didn't have that. I had to push it. So then we had another one, this like tiny red one that was literally $100. The cheapest one you can possibly buy. Mm. All it came with was the blade, basically, and like you had to push it yourself. I far preferred that one. So it wasn't even gas powered. So there wasn't a blade. Well, like oh, it was okay. the spinning it was, it was one. Gas-powered. Oh, it was okay. gas-powered. But it was like there was no fancy, you know, automated going forward or anything like that. It was very small. But I, I preferred it because I walk faster than the auto thing anyway. And it was lighter, the cheap one. So I was just like, I'll, I'll take the cheap one I'll, and just go as fast as I want. But, dude, your your parents allowed you to, like, uh, mulch it and leave it on the lawn, right? Uh, it depended. Because... Uh, if it was long enough they, that my dad maybe bag it. Uh, see, my mom thing. didn't want it left. So it, and what the thing is, like, you don't want to switch the bags because it's a pain in the ass. But then oh, as... we didn't have a bag mower. You didn't? No. Oh, we, that's too long. We would have to go with a rake. And rake the lawn oh, and then back shit. up there. So that's even basically worse, my dad would be like, "Yeah, you guys can wait to mow, but if you wait too long, you have to bag it." So my brother and I would be like, "All right, we're gonna mow really frequently, so we never have to bag because the bagging sucks." Yeah, dude. <laughs> and like when you have like the mower with the bag, it like collects it all, but it packs it in so tight, and they give you these brown paper bags that are like the exact <laughs> width. Of the lawnmower bag, so you have to be like a magician to put one inside <laughs> the other. So like you, yeah, you're picking up grass anyways. Yeah, we just did the the rake thing, but honestly, I hate bagging. So mm. I'll mow the lawn once a week instead of once every two weeks if I don't have to bag. But yeah, that might end up being a thing when we move, depending on the place we get. So mm. I'm I'm really hoping that the place we can get the place with the included lawn care that'd be very nice. If not, I think I'll end up mowing. Because Martin likes to shovel, and if we take care of those two things, then we can guilt everyone else into doing dishes and cleaning more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate cleaning. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You get exercise and shit, and it's kind of nice. It's uh, Exactly. I had watched uh, that movie with, um, who's the guy in Ace Ventura? Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. And, and it was something, it was like Bruce, where he was like God or whatever. And he had, oh, Bruce Almighty? Yeah, he had this quote, and it was like, there's freedom in manual labor. And I totally believe that. I totally agree. Like, you're oh, yeah. out there, you're doing the lawn, you're whatever, and your mind is somewhere else. You're just kind of, like, chilling. Dude, let me tell you something. Any given moment of the day, if you ask me, would you rather be chopping firewood right now and chopping down trees? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I, I would. <laughs> chopping wood is so fun. Like, any, I, I know if it was, like, my full-time job, I wouldn't like it. But anytime I get a chance to do it, I'd do it. Hell so, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, man. It like, makes you feel so manly and everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was supposed to do. I was built for this. I wasn't built to podcast. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I just chop wood while I'm podcasting. My my body was built to podcast. <laughs> Yours was built to chop wood. Mine was built to podcast. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we have all that stuff. I I, I saved one, one that I thought of. Huh. Uh. Oh shit! Fund. Oh because shit! Fund. There's there's bound to be a bazillion moving parts. Yeah, dude. Shit breaks You're all moving. the time. Yeah. Like you got to get a home inspection. Sure, they'll tell you if like if something's wrong. And I guess you should probably be prepared, but then be like, yeah, there's like five thousand termites in the attic, and also like the spirit of Satan is in the basement, so <laughs> you might need to call the Ghostbusters to get him out of there. Like there might be a bunch of things, but also exorcism. beyond the appraisal. Like I know, you know, once you get the exorcism done, once you get like the appraisal done, I, I think I had uh, a family friend who did house appraisals for a while. You might still move in and find something wrong. Yeah. Because you're living there, so you will give it a better, like, thorough once-over, I think, probably. Or you'll just... Things will crop up. Dude. Washing machine will break. I don't know. So my buddy has me, like, super nervous because we have this hot water heater that runs, like, our shower and shit like that, obviously, and our baseboards. And, um... He was telling me the story of this guy, and ours is like way end of life. Like I think they're supposed to survive like fifteen years, and ours is like thirty years. It's like super end of life. And he said his like because there's like minerals and shit in the water, it corrodes from the inside, and of, uh, there comes a point where it just breaks. And then the the hot water tank like has super crazy psi to fill it, and when it hits right. a certain level, it stops filling. But if there's a hole, it'll never stop filling. And I'm on the third floor, so I, I just, I'm imagining my hot water heater going, oh god, bursting, <laughs> and then like, just like destroying all the apartments below me. And like you're on vacation when it happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like the firemen have to kick the door down or some stupid shit, and I have to fix everyone else's apartment and still get a hot right. water heater. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I guess the last one that I will say that I know of is like just additional stuff. Because when when we moved from the first time from dorms to the first apartment, mm. there was all sorts of stuff I like didn't think of that we had to buy until I got there. I was like, "Oh yeah, I probably <laughs> needed trash cans for all the rooms and like the bathroom. I probably need like floor mats and stuff." Yeah, I was just gonna say a lot. It's taking care of you when you're in a like a lesser situation. There's like stupid stuff that maybe because I'm a guy and I don't get I, like like towels. Like yeah. I, I don't remember things like that. So I'm, I get out of the shower. I'm just like shit. But <laughs> so I just want to curse. Really, you just walk out there naked. <laughs> That's right. I walk out buck naked. I put a show on for my <laughs> for my neighbors. <laughs> Windows are all open. <laughs> Speaking about walking around naked in your apartment, escrow fees. What is escrow, by the way? Escrow is. So you have to pay property taxes, and what happens, like, if you don't pay property taxes, the town actually gets a stake on your apartment or your home, and okay. the mortgage company only wants to be the only one with a stake in your place. So what they do is they collect money ahead of time and hold it in escrow for your mm-hmm. property taxes. Okay. And they're I, they're like the bane of my existence. So, okay, anyone who owns a home knows this. And, and I feel like no one tells you this when you buy a home. So it's like January 3rd, I get a letter from my mortgage company. And it's like, do you want your mortgage payment to, to be 
1450, which is what it is now, or do you want it to be 1570? And it's like, well, I obviously want it to be 1450. Like, that's a dumb question. And then there's like two pages of explanation. Well, because your taxes went up and then the escrow, but if you pay this amount of lump sum and they give you like, it's like, it's not even two options. They give you like three or four options and it's like complicated. You have to send a check and, and blah, blah, blah. And so I do all of this because I want I want to optimize for cash flow. So I want to keep my payment low. I, I write this check and I send it to the mortgage company, and then my next mortgage payment hits, and it's fifteen seventy. It's the higher number, and I go into the thing and I see that it's it did go to escrow, and I don't know what the hell is wrong. I have to call them, but I hate escrow. It's just like uh, I don't know. I hate escrow well, fees. I guess I'll be dealing with that someday. Yeah, man. Okay. So to put a bow on this. Yes. With all these extra expenses, can we come up with like a percentage additional that should go on top of the down payment that you should have before, or maybe like a dollar amount or something before you even consider buying a home? So like you buy, you you know how much it costs, you know, you're 20%, whatever it is, what additional like X number of dollars or percent should you like plan for? So for me, my closing costs were about three to four percent of my sale price. And, okay. I mean, because wow. so it cost me ten to eleven thousand to uh, get into the home. You know, between and that's not including the down payment. Not including the down payment. So I, I paid okay. the sixty four thousand five hundred or whatever it was, and then an additional. 10 to 11% that went to all the people who made it happen, wanted to take a cut, blah, 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 bullshit. I mean, escrow fees and shit happens later, but mm. yeah, just to get in, it's kind of expensive. And then, so it was like 64000 Closing was like eleven or so thousand. And also, wow. I needed to have more than that all on top in addition to my account so that the mortgage company would even give me a, a mortgage. And yeah, and so you can pay the, the mortgage next month. Like, I, I swear, like, my feeling after the mortgage was, like, I had to prove to the mortgage company that I don't need a mortgage in order for them to actually give me a mortgage. It was... That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, oh, here's one. When, you, when you're doing all these calculations, keep in mind that the next month, you have to pay your mortgage yeah. and your property taxes. Like so, I guess know what the per month expenses of the house are gonna be, including maintenance, including all that kind of upkeep, and like ask yourself after I figured all these closing costs and everything, like hidden costs out, and I pay all that stuff, am I gonna have enough money to pay the like month to month expenses starting the next month after I move in, mm. that kind of thing, and then uh, I'll I'll end with on Fool dot com they list one other. One other expense. And this expense is Irving. At every closing, there's this guy named Irving. Oh, he Irving. always wants somewhere between <laughs> 20 to a couple of thousand dollars for the trouble of showing up. Some days, he doesn't even show up. He just sends a letter saying, pay me now, you can't have your house. <laughs> Irving can represent the municipal tax office, which says you have to pay an obscure tax for buying a blue house on Tuesday. Or he could represent <laughs> the courier company demanding payment to rush some last-minute document across town. In any case, expect Irving to come up with some other off-the-wall charge you haven't anticipated. Hmm. That sounds like Murphy, not Irving. <laughs> Murphy. But maybe he goes by many names. I don't know. Irving's Law. <laughs> <laughs> you will get Irving's screwed. Law. Pay more. 
Oh, man. Your number? Not enough. And, dude, like, you don't even remember. Like, uh, so you, you're renting. Do you, you don't pay your water bill, right? We do. It's just tacked on to the rent. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's, like, tacked on, like, and then there's, like, water bill, and there's also, like, a sewage bill, which is, yep, like, tacked on. Too. And so you don't know these things, but the bills come. And I bought the home. And the guy didn't tra- like didn't tell me about the water, didn't transfer the water bill. I had no idea. And he stopped paying it, and they shut my water off. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. So there probably should be, like, a list of things that you need to ask the seller. There needs to be, like, and a home buyer's seller, manual. Yeah, which I think there was, there was a, there's a book called Buying a Home, The Missing Manual. Don't know how good it was, but when I was a teenager, I was reading a bunch of the missing manual books. Uh, I, I read the... I read J.D. Roth's like personal finance one, like the I think it was just Your Money. That was kind of my introduction to personal finance, and then I read the personal investing one. I didn't read the buying a home one because I figured there's only so much ridiculous preparation I should do, <laughs> but that could be something to check out. You know, mm. there's all these considerations, and I feel like a uh, like twelve dollar investment for a book on Amazon and like three hours of reading is probably going to be a good trade off for all like the the juggling balls in the air that are coming with uh, buying a home right yeah yeah uh, so i guess like listen to this but also like read a book on buying a home before you buy a home so like read a whole book i i, I want two things i want to I tell something i just want to say like uh i hope that you get out of this episode that it like is like ridiculously complicated and a ton of work and like kind of ridiculous because it is and i like totally wasn't prepared and I feel like owning something is a pain in the ass. Mm. Um, and then, oh, shit, I space connected on my – ah, okay. <laughs> now I remember. So and a listener emailed in, and uh, you're allowed to withdraw from your 401k uh, for, for buying your first home. Okay. And so he did, and uh, it turned out the, the home sale fell through. Mm. And so now he had this money from his 401k – that he's allowed to use for buying a home, and the home sale fell through, and he's like, well, shit. Like, now I'm going to get charged all these fees for withdrawing early, blah, blah, blah. Just want to say you have 60 days from your withdrawal date to either put it into a home or put it back into the 401k. So. Oh, okay. I was wondering if you are about to say, like, Turns out he doesn't have to pay any fees, and it's a great way to scam the system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I wish, dude. I'd be trying to buy houses every day. Yeah. That seems like something that's easily written in as an additional rule after the first person does it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the, the bankruptcy thing. What's a bankruptcy oh. thing? Remember when you guys, there was like some episode about student loans, and I forget who the guest was, but they were like, some people have, let's see, what, what was it? Uh, oh, some people have like paid off all their student loans with credit cards because oh. student loans can't be bankrupted, and then they bankrupt the credit card debt. And I was like, that sounds suspicious. <laughs> so if I was writing the code for bankruptcy law, I would think of that immediately. And then I dug through all the bankruptcy law, and yep, turns out you can't fund non-bankruptable debt with bankruptable debt and then bankrupt that debt. They'll be like, oh, look, you paid off the loans with more debt. So now we're just going to assign that debt as non-bankruptable. So <laughs> definitely uh, illegal and uh, an otherwise yeah. awesome episode. <laughs> but uh, that was from our friend Adam Carroll. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It was an awesome episode. Like he was, he was super engaging, really interesting. It was I think that was the first great interview from Listen Money Matters. Like that was yeah, like I loved it. That was like what kind of like set the stage. Like kind of changed everything for us. Yeah, and Adam's been back on the show. Um, before I came on, he was back for a second time, and I think it was about like teaching your kids finance. Oh, and that was he's, a good. He's one. just doing amazing on that. He's so. he just is like has or he's like a really insightful <laughs> guy. He has like yeah. awesome shit to say. Yeah, yeah. And to to be clear, like I don't want to like poop on Adam about this. I think he definitely mentioned that like he had heard somebody did it. I don't think he was like advocating it. Oh no no. But yeah, it, it sounded fishy to me when I heard it. So I did a bunch of research, and you definitely can't do that. <laughs> Adam's a stand up gentleman. <laughs> yes, he is definitely. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's a pretty good overview, right? I think so. Make sure you have more money than just the down payment. Potentially eleven to $12,000 more in your case. So yeah, hey, if you've got extra questions about this topic or anything else money-related, we are listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And uh, you can get involved with the show, subscribe, leave a review, and all kinds of other stuff over at listenmoneymatters.com slash involved. If you want to subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen and also leave a review, it helps drive us up the ranks and get uh, out to more people, which is awesome. Um, today's review comes from somebody whose username is literally totally a total fan of the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they say, let me start by saying how happy I am I found this podcast. These two guys stay engaging, have really useful content, and are easy to listen to. It's like being out at a bar with friends and you get really solid financial advice that I can easily act on. If you want to learn more about managing your money overall or have specific topics of interest that you need some clarity on, this is for you. I learned something from every single episode, and I can't say thank you to you two enough for the words of wisdom and the reality check. Thanks for making a tough topic so approachable. If there was an option for 10 stars, you would get it from me. Woo-hoo. Thank you so much, total fan of the show. We'll call <laughs> Apple up and ask them to add a 10-star option. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hey, if you got, uh, if you got what? Questions about resources we put all of our favorite resources and money management tools apps books all that cool stuff over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox so definitely check it out and uh that's it for this episode so thanks again for hanging out we'll look forward to seeing you in the next one see you andrew see you man please tell your friends about this show